0: Grab your Bibles, if you will, and open them to um, Luke 23. We're going to uh, interrupt this uh, Hebrew study while we uh, take a look at a passage that is uh, so much more appropriate for the week, as Jonathan said, uh, Holy Week, um, Luke 23, and, I, and I'll read that in just a second. But one of the things that Jonathan didn't point out about Thursday night, which um, you know, we do not have Wednesday, we move it to Thursday is that there will be child care available from zero to three. So if that's you, um, we'll be taking care of your children. We've never done that before, but we will, zero to three, have child care available. For, and then there's a dessert afterwards, and that's for all of us. So um, I hope you'll come and be with us. It seems to me, this is an opinion, that of, uh, that of all the nights of the year, this is the one that the people of God ought to be together on. Um, A night so rich in significance for us. So, Thursday night, 6.30, hope to see you then. Now, you follow as I read from a book which we consider to be inerrant, infallible. um, No contradictions, no errors. Here it is, the very mind of God is black words on a white page. Verse 32, two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. Save yourself and us. But the others rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due rewards of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God, this word, this endures forever. Guys, um, this account of the crucifixion appears in all, with, with varying differences, but appears in all four Gospels, and all four Gospels mention this place called the skull. The Greek word is cranion, cranium, And uh, another term that is familiar to you is the term Golgotha, which is nothing more than a transliteration of an Aramaic word that means skull. If you've ever been to Israel or, or if you've ever been to Jerusalem um you 've seen this location that is being referred to here, the skull. Uh, you know that in Jerusalem there are two sites and both claim to be the the uh, the locations of jesus 's crucifixion and burial. The one that that I prefer, which the academics do not agree with me, but uh, is a place called the garden tomb it 's um it 's a park i guess it's it 's enclosed with a fence it 's about 10 acres, 15 acres, whatever. And, and towards the back, there is this, um, this rock outcropping, I guess is what you'd say. And when you look at it, it looks like a skull. Um, I might add that the Muslims own the uh, territory right next door to this spot, and they're doing everything they can to... Um, to undermine, uh, geo, um, not not politically, but undermined it geographically, or uh, digging around it, such that uh, the 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 spot is in danger. Now, but um, that said, you go back to the text, and I think it's very commonly known. I think most of you know that Jesus was not crucified alone. He uh, there were two other people. He was a part of a trio. He was in the middle of. Uh, of two other men, two criminals, one on both sides, thieves, robbers, which of course was nothing more than a fulfillment of a prediction, a prophecy of found in Isaiah 53. He was numbered with the transgressors, you remember that. But you need to know this little tidbit, guys, that criminals were not crucified for robbing a bank. Um Theft couldn't get you crucified. The, um, the Greek word here is leistos, which is um, sometimes translated uh, insurrectionist. In fact, Mark, in his account, in uh, chapter 15, Mark says this about Barabbas. He says, And among the rebels in prison who had committed murder in the insurrection... There's the word Lysitus. There was a man called Barabbas. Um, I, I'm telling you all of that just to, so that you'll understand that these two guys being crucified alongside Jesus, they weren't a couple of choir boys. They weren't um, petty thieves, purse snatchers. They uh, they were murderers. They were insurrectionists. They were enemies of the cross. Now you understand, of course. I think that in this instance, all three of these men are dying. Um, You know, trial, pain, suffering, but especially death. It it has a way of squeezing out of you what the real truth about you is. Um, it, It rings at us in a way that nothing else can. And so you usually find out what really is inside on an occasion like this. So I plead with you to prepare for that, that grand piece of exposure. Uh, for some of us, it may be sooner than, than we think. But what I want to do with this text is, is do a couple of three things. First of all, I want to I take a look at both criminals, criminal number one, criminal number two. And, and through those criminals, you get insights into the nature of unbelief through criminal number one, You get an insight. You get a couple of insights into the nature of unbelief, and through criminal number two, you get insights into the nature of saving faith. And then we'll take a look at the one, the object, the subject of both of them: unbelief and saving faith, being of course Christ Jesus. So take a look with uh, with me at criminal number one, and what I'm suggesting is that through him we get insights into unbelief. That is, the nature of unbelief is on display. Uh, I'm saying that all unbelief in some way will resemble this guy. Uh, All of it has, I mean, it's multifaceted, sure, but in some ways, wherever unbelief exists, it'll look in some ways like this, okay? The the first thing that I would have you to note is that that unbelief is the majority position. Um, The throngs, the crowds, that they agree with criminal number one: everybody's scoffing and mocking and spitting, and um, uh, the Romans, the Jews, two groups of people who couldn't agree on anything agreed on this. We all hate him. Um, today's unbelief is a bit more Is a bit more civilized. Nobody spits. but they um, they do say something like, that cross business, <laughs> that's just stupid. The gospel makes no sense. A dying man saving sin. <laughs> it's just, it's all nonsense. What do you, what do you, what do you mean that that, that that I have no, that my good works don't amount to anything? What, what do you mean that that I have no merit to offer up to God? I mean, the whole thing is just, it's just poppycock. And, and you know, guys, I would say to you that as a believer, you, you've got to be an independent thinker. Um, you gotta, you're going to have to buck the, 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 the tide. You're going to have to stand in a crowd, and when you're hearing, in, in a sense, place yourself in this crowd, because in a lot of ways you are. Everybody hurling insults. You Christians are nothing but a bunch of hate mongers. And you're asking yourself, how how can I be right when so many people tell me I'm wrong? Your position as a Christian is the minority position, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you understand that. The other thing that I want you to see in terms of the nature of of unbelief, is that unbelief proposes a, a test for Jesus. They, they, unbelief says, in essence, okay, okay, here's the deal. Prove it.
1: If you'll just prove to me, um, and by the way, I'll, I'll state the terms by which you can do that, you just prove to me that you are the Messiah, and I'll believe you. Now, in, in this particular instance, I will believe you if you'll get me down from here. You see, at this moment, I've got a very pressing, felt need. <clears throat> and and if and, and, and if you'll if you'll get me down from here, listen, uh, I, I'll be yours. Um, you save my skin, and I'll give you my soul. And this is how I'll know that you're the Messiah. I'll believe on you based on terms that I set.
0: All unbelief does that, ladies and gentlemen. Um, That is still around. It may not look as ugly as this scene but it but it it comes out something like this listen here god i'm in a big crisis and if you get me out of this i'll believe in you just 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 get me out of this thing and i'll serve you forever <clears throat> you know, I, I, I told God once that uh, if he would just do this, then I would believe in him. But he didn't. And so that's enough proof for me. That's all I need. And you see, ladies and gentlemen, when you, when you make a deal like that, you understand, don't you, I hope, that what you really want what he really wants is to get down off this cross, and what you really want, that is the thing that you're really worshiping. Um, what, what I really want is to get into that school, and if you'll get me in that school, then God, I'll, I'll, I'll serve you. What I really need from you, God, what I really want from you, and, 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 and if, you, if you do this, then I, I'm, I'm yours. I've got a bad marriage, and if you'll save this marriage, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll follow you. God, there's a promotion I want, and I've wanted it for years. And if you get me that promotion, then I'll start going to church. You, You see that, don't you, ladies and gentlemen, that the real God for this criminal is not God. It's getting down from that cross.
1: If you propose a similar test, your real God is getting into the school or saving the marriage or getting the promotion, but it's not him.
0: What I really want is this. If you'll get it for me, I'm yours. So what is really the thing that you worship Is the terms of the test. I believe in you on terms that I set, and here they are. You do this, and I'm yours. And you know, folks, um, when you do something like that, you know you're just setting your own self up for failure, don't you? Do you understand that? Because um, what you're saying is God, here's what I want. And um, and if you agree with me, then therefore you must be God. So if he says yeah, if he says no, then obviously you can't follow that God. But if he says yes, then he's really no smarter than you are. So why worship him? All unbelief is like that, ladies and gentlemen. It has a It has a resemblance to the idea that. If you will do this for me, you save my skin. You get me in that school. You get me that promotion and I'm yours. That's just uh, part of the nature of unbelief. Look at the other guy. The other criminal, because through him you get some insights to saving faith. And if you look at verse 40 and 41, you'll notice he says the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Do you see what that is, ladies and gentlemen? It's very rare. It's an admission of guilt. He
1: is saying that I am getting exactly what I deserve for my behavior. If I die up here, I die because I deserve to die. No excuses, no no minimizing, no blame shifting. Because you understand, ladies and gentlemen, I hope, that, that repentance starts where blame shifting stops. Blame shifting is not repentance, it's complaining. It's just trying to shift the blame to somebody else.
0: Repentance has no buts in it. It never says, well, I'm getting this crucifixion
1: up here, but because you see, ladies and gentlemen, repentance starts When blame shifting stops,
0: I have people come to my office and they've done a bad thing and they own it. They they admit that, yes, indeed, they did it. But
1: you need to understand why I did what I did.
0: You mark it down, ladies and gentlemen, repentance starts. When all that blame shifting stops and that's what you see in this man one of the insights to saving faith is I own my sin do you know how rare that is to admit it to own your own guilt big time and whether it's rare or unreal ladies and gentlemen you've got to understand this that one of the non-negotiables one of the non-negotiable components of saving faith is repentance. When I own my own sin and blame nobody else for it. No, I did that. And I deserve to be punished. That's what criminal number two is talking about. But guys, the, the real beauty of criminal number two. Is something else. And I, and I want you to see it. So if you can, if you can find Matthew 27 real fast, I, I'd love for you to see this. Matthew chapter 27. <clears throat> Pardon me. Matthew 27, verse 44. Look at it. And the robbers
1: who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. Ladies and gentlemen, do you get that? Forty-five minutes earlier, criminal number two was spitting on him too. Forty-five minutes earlier, And criminal number two, reviled and mocked. And yet now, 45 minutes later, he is owning his sin. What happened? How did he change? Well, we know theologically that God gave him eyes to see. But what is it that he saw? One thing. He saw one thing. And it's in verse 34. And Jesus said, "Father, forgive him." For they don't know what they're doing. Hey, mister. I've never met you before. I've never heard you teach. I never saw you work a miracle. And by the way, 45 minutes ago, I was spitting on you. And yet now I saw something. I, I, I saw them nailing you to a cross like they were me. I saw them reviling in you and hating you. And then I heard you say, Forgive them. I don't know who you are, mister, but I know this much. Nobody that's human would look at a crowd who was nailing nails into their feet and say what you said. Nobody says that that's human. And consequently, you must be God. I've never heard a word come out of your mouth except those. And that's enough for me. Do you know what it was ladies and gentlemen that brought this man who 45 minutes earlier was mocking to the place of humble submission and faith? You know what it was? It was undeserved forgiveness. Did you hear that? The same thing that you have. Undeserved forgiveness melted his heart. I don't know this man, I've never met him before in my life. But anyone who grants forgiveness for the kind of life that I've lived, he must be God.
0: So when you come into your paradise, will you remember me? Will you take me with you? I don't know much about you. But I've never heard anything like this before. And I want to be with you. You know, guys, I... I, um, One of my fondest musicals is one written by Richard Rodgers and Hammerstein. My Fair Lady. And uh, there's several songs in it that I love to sing. You know, I have often walked down the street before. I love that one. But there's another one there. Another song in that musical. Rex Harrison sings it. And it goes like this. I've grown accustomed to her face. It's second nature to me now. Tell me, my brother and sister in Christ, has undeserved forgiveness become so second nature to us? That it has lost its beauty.
1: That it has lost its power to change us. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe the gospel. I go to church. Yes, sir. Reba. Jesus died for my sin. Ladies and gentlemen, do you know of what we have in our possession? We have the thing that converted that man on cross number two. We have forgiveness, none of which was deserved.
0: Has that become so so blasé, so passé, that it has lost its power to change us? We are a group of people who have done some bad things. And the father and the son says to his father, Father, forgive them. They didn't know. Nothing to us anymore. Can we hear of this gospel of undeserved forgiveness and go, he didn't. He heard one thing, and it was the message of undeserved forgiveness that overcame him. Guys, um, the other player in this scene, the object or subject of unbelief and saving faith, here's, here's what you've got to see, or recognize or know or whatever to perish you gotta reject him. This one in the middle. This one who just said, Father, grant them forgiveness that they don't deserve, you gotta reject him. But if you're going to be saved, you've got to embrace him. Do you get it? I mean, do you see it that everything is riding on your relationship to him? Either I reject him or I embrace him. And to reject him is to yield myself to an eternity of destruction. What I've asked for is justice. Ladies and gentlemen, one of my heroes is R.C. Sproul, but he said to me one time, ask for anything you want, but don't ever ask for justice. Because justice is not something that God just does. Justice is something that God is. On the other hand, to embrace him means, I go to heaven. Yeah, it does mean that. But look at the text. It says, today, this day, you will be, look. With me. With me. Lots of books written about heaven, ladies and gentlemen. Lots of good ones. Randy Elkhorn wrote one, and many of you have profited thereby, and I applaud reading it. But you can, you can summarize heaven with this prepositional phrase. With me, this day, you're going to be with me. You know, Jesus makes a statement in John 17. John 17, I think most of you know, is his high priestly prayer. Jesus never prayed the Lord's Prayer. That's not the Lord's Prayer. That's just what he taught us to pray. The other one that he prayed is in John 17, the high priestly prayer. In verse 24, he says to his father, He says, Father, the ones that you gave me, I'm paraphrasing, the ones that you gave me, I want them, I want them to be with me, to behold our glory. What do you think the Father said to that request? This day, this day you'll be with me. Say what you will, ladies and gentlemen, but everything about your eternity pivots around simply this. What do I think about him? Save your breath over your baptism and your teaching Sunday school. Everything revolves around what did I do with Jesus Christ to embrace him Means to be with him. To reject him means to perish. Your call. Our Father, I, I do pray that you will um, remind us of the prized possession of the Christian undeserved forgiveness that nothing is more marvelous than having my sin separated as far from me as the east is from the west, all because of Christ's life and death. Lord Jesus, now that you've come into your kingdom, remember me too. For Jesus' sake.